Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Well, today is our baby dedication, our spring baby dedication service. Yeah, twice a year. Because we have to do it twice a year because you all are busy. But it, no. What? That's why we do it twice a year. There's so many babies coming. We just. Okay. We do have one in the spring and the fall, and it's one of our favorite times just to, I don't know. We just, we just love that we get we to hear it. from the parents and celebrate the babies and talk about family. It's pretty That's fun. Right. We love talking about family because there's so many messed up ones these days. Ours might be one of them sometimes. Messed up or messy? Messy. Yeah. Messy. Okay. They're messy. There's a lot of messy families today. And one of the things we want to uh, do as a church, because we really believe it's, it's biblical for a church family to be involved in the raising up and blessing of children. Uh, some of the curriculum we use here with Orange uh, talks about the fact that every child needs five adults in their life who speak into them, who build them up, who encourage them. And so a, a baby dedication in our church here at Generations is maybe not like the traditional one you might have seen before if you have a Catholic experience or maybe just another Protestant or mainline denomination. Our baby dedications are, are, are about, yes, dedicating to the baby, to the Lord, because that's what mom and dad want. But really, for us as a church, it's as much about putting that family in front of the whole church to say, we love you, we support you, we're going to walk with you through the messes, through the good times and the bad, because we do community here in an authentic way. And, um, and that's, that's really the why behind it all. Uh, God gave us community. God intends us to use community. And God help us as we raise children, because it is, it is a little bit hairy sometimes in this day and age. Yeah, we understand that we need a partnership. Um, the, we want to partner with you as parents, and I'm so thankful for those of you that have been pouring into my children's life um, as they grow up and, and just um, involving them as a part of the family of God. It's pretty great. We have four kids, Jaken and Logan and Annika and Mara. Yeah, and 66% of the people in our church already know that. And so we're glad you're here today. This isn't for you. This is for the 33% of people in our church who don't know that we have four kids. Right. And as long as they're behaving, we want you to know that they're ours. Welcome to church. It's no longer about you. That's right. Welcome to Generations <laughs> Church. It ain't about you anymore. All right. Um, so we're in the phase right now, like most of you are, uh, we call it the messy stage, which pretty much starts from birth until 18, 19 years old. I just have to warn you, it's the messier stage. Because at least right. when I had toddlers, I, cleaning up their mess was like, you know, their little toy bin. But cleaning up the mess now is in my laundry room, in my pantry, in my kitchen, everywhere that I want to be, everywhere that's kind of our space, even our bedroom has Okay, there is no our it. space. It is your space and the children's space. What? Yeah. What does that mean? You I'm pretty much I am pretty much church. I'm pretty much down to showering outside under a garden hose. <laughs> pretty much. Just about, I was glad it was warm this morning, okay? Oh, dear. Okay, I'm lying, it's not that bad. Well, do but you it is the messier stage. Messier than Vaseline all over the walls? It is messier than Vaseline all over the walls. That was Because fun. now it's like food and old socks and... We did have a bedroom smeared with Vaseline. Windows, walls. Annika and a friend were painting. Yeah. It was cute. It was a Homequist friend, I think. <laughs> and tricky. 
Jake and Baby powdered the room Jake one time. Jake and Baby. Just a helpful tip for those of you who don't know, one of the best ways to get a whole tub, like a giant Costco tub of Vaseline, off of your walls without totally destroying your paint, vodka. Lickety split. It worked. <laughs> it's... I, it's the most amazing thing. 50 it, proof, it, it, it was, yeah, I think it had to be high quality. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know much about vodka. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, we're in big trouble now. <laughs> we just kept it around for cleaning purposes, obviously. <laughs> They're still pretty cute. They are. Anyways, um, so, yeah, we're in that messy year, messy, and, and for, <laughs> for Paul and Kirsten and Kurt and Jalea, we've already talked to them a little about this, it's not going to get any cleaner than it is right now. Um, never is it going to get cleaner. Uh, and you should know that. Well, it's too late. It doesn't matter. You're already here. You already have a baby. Everybody else who's had a baby understands this. And those of you who are thinking romantically about having a baby, come on, get on with it. It's the most fun ever. It makes you a better person. But it will be messy, and then it will be messier. And then there's conversations that are messy. There's you messy, just need to lean into those messy conversations. a little okay. bit. Healthy family. Healthy family. <laughs> okay. Are we here? We're here. In this jar, there's 936 marbles. That represents the number of weeks you have with the child from the day they're born until they graduate. 936 weeks. Now, I know some people are going to go, I don't want to hear about that. I can't think about it. That's too hard. What we want to encourage you with this morning is we know you can't make every day count. Some of you don't even have every day with your kids. We want to encourage you to make every week count. And so this concept is if you took out a marble every week, you would slowly see how many marbles you had left and hopefully see it as a sign of celebration that you're, you're working towards that um, end picture in mind and... You know, there is going to be a time when children are going to launch and, and all of that. But we want to be mindful of our time. For the brand new babies, this might seem like a lot of weeks. The future might feel far away, full of possibility. Having that baby, looking at it, it's just such a, such a beautiful time. And, and the worst thing is, you know, maybe next week at church, someone looks at your little baby and says, Oh my, they've grown. They're growing so fast. And you're going, be quiet. I don't... No, I want them to stay little, but it, it's happening, right? Um, and every week counts. Some weeks are not going to feel significant. Um, some days the only thing you're going to accomplish is feeding your children and keeping them alive, and that's okay. <laughs> Those are normal weeks. That, it is okay. If that's all you get done some days, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Before you know it, they're going to be a toddler. They're going to be potty training. They're going to blow their own nose, guys. Oh, shoot, I shouldn't have said that. Some of your kids will blow their own nose. Specifically, not Jaken? <laughs> Don't talk about Jaken. I'm not. I'm specifically <laughs> not Jaken. One day, they're going to blow their own nose. They're just not going to need you for all of those things because it's just a phase. And for the record, we're saying not Jaken does not need us to physically blow his nose. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just we want to remember that the phase, the phase we're in now has incredible potential. Um, if you have a fifth grader, you might feel like all you've accomplished is how to add and subtract fractions someday, or even Googling so you can learn yourself again right. how to do math facts. Because time is quickly, and your kid is growing up fast. 
Uh, maybe if you have a sixth grader, you feel like you're navigating an emotional minefield. Maybe you have a teenager and all you had time to accomplish was stalking their social media accounts. And if you haven't done that, let me just put a little plug in. You need to be doing that. Let me replug that. You need to be on your teenager's social media feeds. As a responsible parent, you're not breaking any laws. You're not stepping out of bounds. You're parenting in social media. Oh, I know. We get pre I get angry <laughs> preaching over this. Anyways. So take a deep breath. You don't have to get everything done this week. But what happens in your child's life week after week, the time that you have with them, year after year, adds up. So we believe it's a good idea to put a number to your weeks. Because when you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time you have now. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. Let's put that up there. Teach us to number our days that we may acquire a heart of wisdom. When we number our days, when we count our weeks, we can make our weeks count. We can make wise choices with those things in mind. Things are changing and they're moving from one phase to the next. Because of that, we face a lot of pressure as parents, in this day and age especially. I think in parents' generation, at least as I remember them raising myself and my brothers, is it wasn't very hard for them to say no, I feel like. I feel like, and mom and dad, I feel like you were very good at saying no. It was, there was no automatic yeses. We didn't always get to understand. But my observation of the world today is that parents have a really hard time. Like, like they feel very insecure when they have to say no to their kids. And so then they shy away from that. And that actually begins to create a lot of problems for us because time is limited. You only have so many marbles in the life of your child. And when you say yes to everything that's unimportant... It leaves you no choice but to say no to all the things that are important because yes will always mean no for something else in life. And that's a hard one to keep track of with parents. There's so many options on how you could spend your time or your money with your kids, what sports programs, what dance programs, what, I mean, you can go on and on. Every one of us in this church, even if we don't have kids yet, we can kind of observe someone around us that is, is, is taken off in all the directions at once. And we sometimes forget that when we look at the parent who has just one kid and says yes every time they're at the store to a pop or a juice, uh, Pastor Amy, we had a friend from hockey, and they had a, a one child, and we had four, and they went out to Subway or Menchie's or someplace like that for a little get-together, and at the end of all the ice cream and the treats, their guy said, Mom, can I have a pop? And of course, she says yes, and our kids, of course, then ask Amy, can we have a pop? And she said no. And just the math is really simple on this. For that parent to say yes to one kid is one pop. For us to say yes to four kids is... Another 10 bucks. Four pops, <laughs> right? So it, we, we can't afford to say yes the way a parent of one child can say yes. One of the things that, that comes into play here is that we have a tendency, if we struggle with insecurity, we have a tendency to look at everyone else's highlight reel and then compare our low spots. We kind of have this self-debasing uh, response to what we see socially around us. And that's actually not correct thinking. We need to change our thinking. We need to align it with God's word away from the pattern of the world. Because the pattern of the world says, look at everyone else and become like them. But what's the pattern of Scripture? 
Well, the pattern of, pattern of Scripture is set your eyes on Christ. To be like Christ. To follow your leaders as they follow Christ. So we live in a different reality in terms of pattern. And it's important to remember that if you're struggling with comparison as a parent. You will be sad and frustrated all the time if you live in the, in the realm of comparison. So stay away from it. So really practically in our life, visualizing time has helped us emotionally, mentally, and practically prioritize what really matters. In fact, the marble countdown is what caused us to get a dog before we lived on a farm. We, Stupid we just, marbles. <laughs> we, just, we just realized like, there's not that many weeks left. That's we right. don't want the dog when the kid that wants the dog is gone. We want the dog now. Yeah, that would be a mistake, parents, that you should avoid making at all costs. <laughs> because when the kid who wants a dog and you said no, no, no in your wisdom until they were 18 years old, guess who gets the dog when your kid goes to college? Yeah. You get the dog. And if you're a real sucker, you got one of those tiny little ones like Jade's got. I will say we knew we were moving on. So it wasn't like we had a dog in our house. Because that's, right. that's not us. But anyways, even moving to the farm. We, we moved to the farm realizing there's not that many weeks left. It's okay that the house isn't the dream house. It's okay. Remind me of that again. It's okay. <laughs> More? Okay. It's, it's okay. Guys, I have plywood floors. So I just need you to know that still. And more importantly, we moved out of town because Annika was getting closer to that stage in life where she would be overly interested in boys. It's far away for so that. So we put some miles between us and society because <laughs> of Annika. But back to the house, we still also don't have a dishwasher. <laughs> we have four of them, actually, and they're doing... Much better than the mechanical it one was. It is a pretty great experience. Right. Okay. Yeah. Marbles. So 930 weeks is the number of weeks between birth and graduation. So, again, we want you to make your weeks count. The rhythm of your week will shape the values in your home. So we want to tell our time what to do. We don't want to just allow... Um, are the, the yeses we make without thinking. No, we say our big yeses first, and the rhythm of our week has, has the ability to shape, shape our values. So if you have, um, well, what you want to do is take advantage of the time that you do have, whatever that is. If you're a homeschooling family, if you're a family that sends your children to school, it's going to look different. If you're sharing custody, that's going to look different. You want to make the most of the time that you do have with your children. Create that rhythm so that you can um, take advantage of the different times that we have together. So if you have a middle schooler, you probably only have about four hours a day with your child. And in high school, that number is going to drop even more. So we want to leverage the time that we do have. We have, um, the Bible talks about, we'll talk about it in a bit, we have morning time, we have driving time when we're on our way, we have meal time, and we have bedtime, and those opportunities can also help us um, strengthen our relationships, set the rhythm of our home, and leverage those times together, keeping in mind we want to make our weeks count. It's really important, too, to remember that every kid, because they're an individual human being created in the image of God and so uniquely wired that they'll all have different times when they're going to interact with you and communicate with you. And I learned a great lesson watching my mom, specifically with one of my brothers, because he's not a talker. 
uh, and those of you already are figuring out who he is, who know him. Um, but he, he's not one to jump into the conversation first. But mom learned, and I watched this, that there was about a 20-minute to half-hour window every day uh, when he got off the school bus, and he would go and stand in the kitchen, he'd make a stack, and for 30 minutes straight, he would talk my mom's ear off. And then nothing. Uh, you, you wouldn't think that he had any words to say outside of that. And so it's a challenge for us, even from the time when our kids were little. Our kids often want to talk to us in the time when we want to withdraw and retreat. But listen to me, you, you need to become attentive. You see, what we're doing as parents, if we're trying to do it right, is we're trying to be an image bearer of our Heavenly Father to our children. That's what we're trying to do. That's actually what we're called to do, to be imitators of Christ. Well, who do we imitate for? Well, we imitate because someone is watching us. And so my job is to show my kids the greatness of our Heavenly Father. It's not to show them easy life or how great life can be. It's to just show them how great He is. And if we can learn to change our thinking just a little bit and become maybe a little more sacrificial, and I'm not undermining anyone's sacrifice as a parent because it's a huge sacrifice to parent. But if we can just become aware of the moments when our kids are ready to engage, then we're going to have the opportunity to develop a real relationship with them. And my dad always said, you can pay now or you can pay later in terms of discipline, but the same is true for building a relationship with your sons and daughters. You pay now or you pay later. If you learn how to gauge it and see it and do it when it's easy, when the times come that it gets hard to communicate, it'll already be established, it'll already be there, it'll flow, and life will go so much better for us. So our job is not to impress our kids with our wonderful parenting skills right. or our, even our homemade cookies. It, our job is to impress them with the love of their Heavenly Father. Yeah. And if we can keep that in mind, it doesn't matter if you're talking over Oreos or chocolate chip cookies out of the oven. Our job is to impress them with the love of our Heavenly Father. That's right. Um, those kind of things, I've learned a lot from following the Parent Q app. If you don't have the Parent Q app, it's okay if you find it right now, but you still got to pay attention. <laughs> um, in the Parent Q app, they cue us with different um, ideas on how to parent and how to make the most of our time. I recommend that you use it. There's blogs and podcasts, a wealth of resources for parenting. I can't tell you how many things I've learned through the different phases, how many things I've learned even interacting with my kids just from being a part of Gen Kids Ministry, teaching the preschoolers, teaching the elementary, but more so being a, being a small group leader um, and looking at some of the material that's there. I learned language that I didn't necessarily have to pray with my kids when they were little. Um, the repetition is so good. So as a parent, I encourage you to get the Parent Q app. And if you don't want to go out and get marbles and take one out every day, they have a countdown for you right in the app. Because I think this is awesome. And I, I wish I wanted to use it, but I don't take a marble out every week for my four kids because marbles are expensive and where would I put them all? And I love the idea. Uh, but I think by the time I get around to it, they're going to be out of the house. It's just how it goes. So there is this app, um, and it, it says here, so today for Jaken, there is 166 weeks until he moves on. And every time I show it to Travis, he's like, oh, I hate that you show that to me. I'm so glad I saw it, though. You know, and so then there's, I can enter Logan, 218 weeks, Annika and Mara are both in here. 
So we still have some work to do, 478 weeks for Annika and Mara. Well, sorry, 426 for Mara. We keep trying to explain to her, like, yeah, you got to sit in the back seat, and you've had to do your own laundry since you were in kindergarten. She went to school for the first time in kindergarten, and she's like, Mom, I talked to all my friends. Maybe this was grade one, actually. I am the only one that has to make my own lunch and do my own laundry. And I'm like, yeah, you're the youngest. You're talking to the oldest, the single, only children. Sorry for your luck. It's not going to change. But one day, maybe we'll be able to spoil you more because your other kids, the other kids will be out. It's true. The youngest kid gets all the good stuff. Just look at my little brother, Curtis. <laughs> specifically. Well, specifically. Coca-Cola we, we, and he steak. He got Coke and steak. And we grew up on KD, the rest of us three, so. Yeah. So more in the app, if, uh, it does connect with what the kids are learning about each week. So we want to partner with you. We want to repeat what they're learning. You can find um, the video that they watched that week. You can see their memory verse there at the bottom. And then some more cues. Here's an idea when you're driving. Um, and it'll give you that. Or here's something when you're eating. For a preschool, it'll, it'll leverage those specific times. So I encourage you to just uh, make that a part of your life, a resource that you can reference. And, and uh, I think you won't regret it. What, what we're asking you to do as parents is to make this a part of your value system. Everyone just say value system. See, values, when you understand what your values are, your values are what inform your decisions in life. Your values are what inform your decisions in life. And if you aren't in touch with what your values are, can I just ask you, how do you decide to do anything? And what we see happening in the world around us right now is, is that people don't have a really good grasp on what they actually value. And they, you know, they, they value things. They value certain thoughts or certain, certain philosophies. But when you don't have a, a grasp on the values that actually matter most to your heart... You're making decisions based on things that aren't really in your heart to do. For instance, uh, let, let's, let's pick on, I don't know, I'm going to offend somebody no matter what I choose. Let's say your kid is in a chess club. I can't offend anybody with that. Or water polo. Chess water, or water polo or chess. Okay. Yeah. There's no water polo or chess people here, I don't think. But if you make water polo or chess your highest value in life, you're, you're going to be denying things that are actually of more value to you. Um, maybe being in the house of God on Sundays is a really high value or it should be a really high value in your life because this community of people will save you years of pain and headache if you embrace the community and you allow other kids and other parents and other people to walk with you through the journey. But you see, that's a value-based decision. Your values then have the opportunity, when you understand them and when you make decisions based out of the values of your life, the values that God's scriptures put in our hearts, see, then what we begin to do is instill our children with the same values. And here's the, here's the genius part of it. When you make good decisions because you're making great decisions because you understand your most important values and you demonstrate that to your kids, what are your kids going to do as they become teenagers? They are going to make decisions reflecting the values that you've instilled in them. And when your kids make decisions based in good values, you will sleep at night, mom and dad. You will not be up worrying if your son is knocking somebody up. You're not going to worry about the things some people have to worry about. 
too and far. Yet they do it was happen. too far for some people. They do happen. But it does happen. And we, and we lean into the mess together. And, and that's right. And we walk right. it out together. And we cry together. And we laugh together. Because we value the relationship. Even yeah. when stuff goes wrong or things get messy. Yeah. But that's why relationship for us, a relationship has a very, very high value compared to, say, a specific activity. And the activity can be in our value system, but it does not trump relationship because relationship is what gets us through no matter what the activity or experience is. So relationship is the highest value. Uh, chess club is of value, but it's not of the same value. If you understand what I'm yeah. saying, just nod at me and we can move on. When, All you right. when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And so we've learned in our life, those big yeses have been really important. Yeah, and we, we keep saying it because I'm worried people don't get it. We all need the <laughs> reminder. So do you, because sometimes right. we have to fight it out ahead of time. Like, we have these values, and then I'm going, okay, we need to make a change. Like, you know, whether it's, I don't know, dinner time together and putting making sure that we're putting phones away because our goal is connecting, yeah. uh, fighting it out that there's going to be one time a week for fun together as a family because we are a good working family. We work well together. We do hard work, but we had to fight it out um, that we would have fun every Monday night. We'd have family night and have connection. And, and honestly, that's one thing that's slipping for us right now because we're together all the time. We work together, mm. we homeschool, we're at home all the time, but we still have to come back to these values um, and fight it out in the rhythm of our week so that we, we come to expect it, we come to plan for it, maybe that there's going to be family night every week, and then it's not an argument That's each right. time, right? Connect group was really hard for us. Do we really want a commitment once a week? It sounds terrible. Fight it out ahead of time. The rhythm begins to happen, and you reap the benefit and the fruit of that because I'm not fighting with him every single Friday night on what we're doing anymore. We've made a commitment, and time over time builds relationships. So now we have some trusted friends. And leaning into that, I was hoping we'd get to segue right into this. I just want to say everyone needs like a Shirley Holmquist in their life, okay? And Shirley, just so you, know, you can't have her because she's ours. <laughs> she's limited. She's limited, and, and uh, she has a tremendous capacity, but we are using it all up. Um, <laughs> but what I love about my friend Shirley is when we sit in these moments in our connect group specifically with the, with the Dellers and the Sutherlands right now, Lee is that friend who will ask the question to kind of bring things back to value once in a while. We're, we're working through, we're, and she just, she just has a gift. You know what? Everybody needs that type of friend in life, uh, that kind of person in your relationship circle, your connect group, your people who you're doing life with, who can ask those questions to bring you back to the values that are most important. It'll help keep you on track. Yeah. I, I'm going to really veer off here. I read something that I really appreciate, and it was talking about dating and our kids beginning to date. And there was that whole chunk of time where it said, you know, the kiss dating goodbye thing, and you're only going to date to get married. I think a lot of people got hurt from that. It took a long time to find someone. Even but, the author of the book yeah, said, he oh, took I think it a back. lot of people got hurt from this. And so this narrative that a friend of mine is, is, uh, has a ministry about changed the language to say, what if the end goal wasn't marriage? And the end goal was finding out if you're compatible with someone. Because you can go along and find out you're compatible, and that's a win. 
but also finding out you're not compatible is also a win, right? So if the end goal is not marriage, and I want us to think about connect groups that way, and we're going to be changing that language too. It's not about, oh, there's this connect group, and it's just too hard to attain to. It's about the process of relationship and discovering who you're compatible with, and it's okay either way. If, you, if you're compatible or you're not, you're still winning. That's actually not the end goal. All of our children um, weekly in our ministries are building relationship because we believe that kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so we're building relationship with our small group leaders um, in youth ministry and kids ministry. Our, our aim and our goal is that. And also so they have friends where they can ask faith questions, where they can talk about personal things because they've built trust time over time. Long pause. You, you Long. gotta go. We gotta let it sink in. Okay. Um, are we doing the video? Um, I just gotta pull this up. It's very uncommon for her to veer that wildly off the notes, people. <laughs> very uncommon. Okay, we're going to the video, but I want to, I want to just bring it back again. You're losing your marbles. <laughs> so if you have a nine-year-old, you've lost half your marbles. You have 468 weeks. Um, after that, it also means you only have 312 marbles before they get their driver's license. I was figuring today I have 59 marbles left until Jakin's on his own driving around. Time is moving. Okay, William Wallace, (laughs) easy there. After that, you might only have four summer vacations left until they move out. The secret is all you have to do is pay for it. They'll come. That's true. Just saying. So we're losing our marbles. Um, But even as a church, that's why we want to partner with you. Because if your child came to church every single week, that's only 52 weeks. (laughs) Slipped my mind. Um, That we have the opportunity to influence them. And chances are you're not coming all those weeks. You've got vacation, you have tournaments, you have sick days. The church might actually only have 30 weeks to make a difference in their life for about an hour a week. So that's 30 hours a year. Obviously, as the parent, you're the biggest influence. And so the choices you make matter. If we stop and count our weeks, we'll tend to make our weeks count a little more. Let's watch the video. Let's watch. No matter how hard it gets, you need to remember that it's just a phase. And the things that are great, the things that are significant, the things that seem insignificant in every moment we face right now as we journey as parents and as families, uh, they will come and go. And I love the end of this video that as that. Uh, I still get emotional watching this video. Because <laughs> I have daughters now. If I just had sons, I wouldn't care, you know. <laughs> But the daughters get me, I think. But I I love how the video ends, and it starts with that scribbled little picture of the tree, and it grows into something that's really quite amazing, and at the end, she takes it off the wall. And I want you to remember, it is just a phase. And every frustration and every joy that we go through, it actually does, it leaves marks on the walls of our lives and our homes. And no matter how frustrating it is, I promise you that because you love your kids, and you're going to let God do work in your heart as you grow and mature and you follow him, those little marks when you look back are going to have some of the most tremendous value 
And you're going to remember when it went from the little scribble tree on the wall to the amazing piece of art. And all you're going to have left is that little scuff. Uh, but it's so valuable. And in all of this, we need to remember, biblically, there are three phases to raising children. And I'm not going to unpack the whole thing today. We've taught on it a bit. We will teach on it again in the future. But there are three phases. And the phases we see in Scripture are training, teaching, and trusting. When our children are little, we train our children up in the way that they should go. And that's zero to, let's say, 11 or so, 10, 11 years old. That's the stage of training in the life of your children. If you try to trust your children in the ages of zero to 11, you will be very disappointed uh, because that's the training phase of childhood. And then we move on from, the, from there to the, the adolescent years, the teenage years, and, and that's actually the stage of teaching. So we have training then we have the stage of teaching. And in the teaching stage, let me just tell you, because I keep learning this lesson, you choose to trust your children. You will be sadly disappointed because they're not at the stage of trusting. They're at the place of teaching. And because you trained them, you're able to teach them. Let me just say it again so you don't miss it. Because you trained them, you are able to teach them. And once we move through the teaching phase of life, which is adolescence to about 20 years old, then we move into this stage of adulthood where we release our kids and we actually have no choice but to trust them. And, you know, starting at 16 in our province, when our kids are allowed to drive, that's where we begin to move, right, as parents into that trusting phase because you have no choice. Either that or you keep them at home and don't let them go. You don't let them do anything. But remember these three stages of life. There is training, there is teaching, and there is trusting. And if we don't keep those in order, or if we begin to put too much emphasis in the wrong stage of life, we will really frustrate ourselves. And I'm doing it continually right now. Jaken, did you leave the hose? Oops, I wasn't supposed to use Jaken. Did you leave the hose on? Because I trusted him to water some animals. No, Dad, I forgot. Arr, it's so frustrating that you're going to kill our well and it's going to cost thousands of dollars to replace the pump. Ah, you know, I do my thing as the dad, right? Because I'm supposed to be cheap and crotchety at this stage of life. Um, but, but Amy is quick to remind me, and very shortly, just before or after her, the Holy Spirit also reminds me, <laughs> which sucks when she's aligned with God, let me tell you. <laughs> It is just a phase. It's a phase, and I am actually expecting the wrong thing for the phase. Yeah. And we remind ourselves their behavior is normal, even though it might not be acceptable. It is. But we have to step it up I a just, notch. I have to say it. It's a discipline thing for me. It's normal. I'm sure I was just like it. Plug your ears, boys. It's not acceptable. <laughs> All right. Don't hear that. Book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. This is one of our favorite passages of Scripture when it comes to children in our life here. Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You know that every Jewish synagogue, every Messianic synagogue, so Christian Jews, this is a part of every single service. This is called the Shema Israel. And every single time they gather, they actually... They actually do this little part of Scripture. But hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Here, here's where you're going to hear those times I was telling you here's about the earlier. Times. Leverage these moments. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And, you, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. From the very beginning, God's people, Moses, the leaders, specifically knew that the people who have the greatest potential of passing on the truth of God's word to future generations are parents. Parents. And there is a war going on in society in the Western Hemisphere and in Europe right now to limit the influence of parents in specific issues. There is. I just want you to be empowered as a church not to ever take it sitting down. I'm not saying something political here. I'm simply saying that it is your responsibility as a parent to do right by your children. It is not the government's responsibility it is your responsibility given to you by our creator. It's yours. It's your job. No one can actually really take that job of influence away from you, especially if you're doing it well. And I want you to know that no matter how dark it gets, that this community of faith that's walking with you will help you because it's our job together. We're called to you. You're called to us. We're all called to our kids. You never know which one of my kids might marry one of your kids. I hope you're doing a good job. Doing our best. Because we want to do our best for you. I don't want to give somebody a bad son-in-law or a bad daughter-in-law. That's a scary thought to me. I'm trying so hard to teach them. Self-management. Yeah. <laughs> Laundry. Yeah. Oh, boy. we got <laughs> a lot of work to do still. Our, our goal, our, our, we have to remember, we're teaching them the love of a heavenly father. And so maybe you're here today and you're realizing, like, oh, I, maybe I should step it up a notch, not doing anything. You don't have to pull out the big, dusty, old-fashioned Bible if that's not you. But you might want to leverage one of these moments. You might want to do one thing, change one thing, because for us, one thing, we get a rhythm, we can add another thing. And as we look back... Oh, wow, that one thing, that's just normal now. Something that just wasn't even a part of our life. Maybe you don't have kids yet or you don't want to. You can still influence kids in our church, in our city, in our community, because they need five influences in their life, yeah. letting them know they're okay, letting them know they're loved, that they belong. We're going to invite Kurt and Jalea and Paul and Kirsten to come up with their respective offspring. Uh, but as they do, I, here, I just want to say this to you because I feel like sometimes when we do these kinds of services and, you know, we humble brag on our kids and some other people's kids a little bit, that you might be sitting here going, man, well, I'm a single parent and I've just screwed everything up or, or you know, I've been, I've been tough on my kids. I've been abusive to my kids. I, I, was, I used to be an alcoholic. I'm, I'm still an alcoholic. And the question becomes, I've screwed everything up, so what am I supposed to do? I have an answer for you. If you feel like you screwed everything up so far, the next thing you need to do is the next right thing. Yeah, that's right. That, that's how simple it is. You know, you might, you might be totally ruining your child right now, but if you leave church today with this thought, all I need to do is the next right thing, you will begin to see effect and change take place, and it's one of the most beautiful things.
So let's agree together. Father, we thank you for these moments today. Lord, I pray that they would be attached deeply in our hearts as we raise our children and as we look to one another uh, in fellowship and in this congregation, Lord. I pray, God, your peace for every heart. Lord, for every challenge that we face as parents, that your wisdom would come to us, that we would be brave enough to ask for it. Father, I pray that you would comfort every soul right now that mourns for loss and for hope. God, we thank you for the lives that we see coming one after the other into our church. And we are truly blessed by the awesomeness of who you are as you reveal your heart to this world, even through little children. So Lord, as we leave this place today, I pray that you would bless everything we put our hand to this week, that we would know your presence as we walk through it. Lord, let any person who needs help, prayer, ministry this morning, give them the courage to come forward and receive everything you have for them today, God. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.